Thanks to Clear for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Instead of traditional ID documents, Clear uses your eyes and fingertips to get you through security faster at airports and stadiums. Get your first two months of Clear for free by going to clearme.com/fool2019 and use the promo code fool2019. It's Tuesday, May 7th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, Emily Flippin in the house. Thanks for being here. It's great to be here. We're going to talk entertainment. We're going to talk health and wellness. Let's start with one of my favorite topics, and that is, of course, food. Uh, specifically, Tyson Foods, which is the parent company of Hillshire Farms, Jimmy D. They're in the meat business. Um, Tyson Foods making headlines because they announced this summer they're going to roll out their own line of plant-based meat substitutes. I did not realize that Tyson Foods was an early investor in Beyond Meat. They were an early investor in Beyond Meat and eventually sold their stake because Beyond Meat said they didn't want a competitor invested in them. And it's really interesting that they chose to announce this development now, right after we've just seen the crazy week last week with Beyond Meat's IPO. So I think at this point, investing into meat alternatives, especially when you're a company like Tyson's, is just smart business. Yeah, I mean, we've talked before about like the marijuana industry and how, well, yes, we expect that industry to grow, but we're not really sure what direction it's going in. Yes, there will be some winners, but the meat substitute industry seems almost like a no-brainer. It like it almost seems like seems like the marijuana industry. Well, no, no, no. I was going to say more so than the marijuana industry. I look at, and we'll get to what happened with Beyond Meat in a second. But I look at this and I just think I I really don't see how. This industry doesn't grow dramatically over the next 25 to 50 years. Exactly. And when you look at actual meat, right? So Tyson's core business, those products are really kind of a commodity, right? Because they depend on supply. There's a lot of different variables that can disrupt that production. We're seeing a lot of that happening in China right now, both with pork and chicken. Um, and while that's a small part of Tyson's, right, it's still notable because it's acknowledging the fact that if there's a better, more sustainable, cheaper way we can give people protein, we should be exploring those alternatives. So it's concerning to me. Not that Tyson's is getting into it, but the fact that they were such an early investor in Beyond Meats and have just now decided to start putting out their own products, it kind of begs the question of what were you doing for for the past three years? And it will be interesting to see on that point when they start to roll these out. What does that look like? Um, do they do it sort of quietly, uh, or do they make a big show of it? And it may be at that time we start to get some more color from Tyson in terms of this is what we've been working. On. Maybe not. Um, so let's just recap the last seven or eight days for Beyond Meat. Last week they set their price range for their IPO at nineteen to twenty-one dollars a share. On Thursday it goes public at twenty-five. Pops 163% on the opening day, and today it's at 80. Now, keeping in mind everything I just said about how confident I am that this industry will grow, doesn't this seem a little insane for Beyond Meat? I mean, do, do you look at Beyond Meat at this price right now and think to yourself, yeah, I would buy it at 80, or do you think, wait a minute, this. Uh, I'm going to wait for this to come down. The problem is that we're anchoring to their initial IPO price, right? And so 
There's an argument to be said that maybe if it stays up at this price, they just miss horribly mispriced their IPO, right? They they didn't under understand the market demand for their products. And right now they're the only pure play non-meat company on the market. And part of me thinks, wow, this has increased so much. It's a bubble. I mean, that's just waiting for a pullback. It's a company with widening losses stiff competition, not just from Tyson's, but from other competitors. So, part of me thinks, uh, but then I keep remembering, you know, I go out to eat. I see Beyond Meat everywhere. I see them in restaurants, in grocery stores, and I see people love their product. And part of me thinks, yeah, this is a an evolving trend that's going to be here for the long term. Whether or not Beyond Meat ends up being the big player in that field is you know, to be determined, and I wouldn't buy it at today's prices. But I don't think it's completely crazy. Later this week, Uber is going to go public, and I think most of us were surprised when they set their price range that it was lower than what we were expecting. I have to believe that what happened with Lyft's IPO impacted the price range for Uber. By the same token, Impossible Foods, which is a competitor of Beyond Meat, if they're not looking at going public, or if they weren't, they certainly are now. and. I have to believe that what happened with Beyond Meat's IPO bodes good things for Impossible Foods IPO whenever that comes. It's just a good time for IPOs right now too. You know, the market's hot, people are excited. These are good companies that are doing good things in the world and demand a lot of brand name recognition. Whether or not that ends up being sustainable is to be seen. Let's move on to SeaWorld Entertainment. Mixed first quarter results. They posted a loss. Overall sales, though, were higher than expected, and they've strung together a few quarters here of growing attendance at their theme parks. And that's what they want you to focus on. They want you to focus on the 3.6% attendance growth and think, wow, you know, people are still going to SeaWorld. It's not completely irrelevant. But you'll notice <laughs> that revenue is only up 1.6%. And while ticket or sorry, while traffic was increased about 3.6%, admission cost per ticket decreased 4.3%. So what that tells me is that they're having to decrease their ticket prices faster in order to attract that audience, but that audience is not growing as fast as their ticket prices are decreasing. So they're really just, even though they're doing all these cost-cutting initiatives, which are saving them on the bottom line a little bit, it's still an unprofitable company. And I still wonder about how low those ticket prices have to go in order to get that audience back up to the point where they're able to be profitable. So all in all, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, they're investing a lot into trying to rebuild that brand, and it's costing them a lot. CapEx increased 5%, and that's more than their customer growth increase. I just don't see how what they're doing right now is sustainable, unless there really is some sort of complete brand rehaul, and something is making you go, I need to go to SeaWorld. Right now, there's really nothing doing that. Yeah, it, it really is hard to see how this company sustains growth. Um, I was surprised to see, and I was surprised because uh, I was surprised at myself because I thought, how have I missed this before? Because I notice whenever a restaurant company comes out with some sort of limited time offer, um, and Applebee's has done a good job of this with drink specials, like they've methodically grown their sales by saying, hey, for this month, we've got, you know, dollar Long Island iced teas, that sort of thing. Uh, SeaWorld giving out free beer. 
to boost attendance in the month of June. This is a promotion that they've done in the past. It was one of the things they talked about on the conference call. I just thought to myself, how have I missed that they're just giving out free beer to try and get people into the parks? Well, maybe they should try Long Island iced teas, right? <laughs> maybe that's the next step for them, because I don't think the beer is working as well as they expect it to. Uh, Quick shout out to Clear for supporting Market Foolery. Instead of traditional ID documents, Clear uses your eyes and fingertips to get you through security faster at airports and stadiums. It can help reduce stress because Clear gets you through security with the tap of your fingers so you can get to your gate faster and just relax. You can reduce that pre flight stress. Uh, it's easy to sign up. You create your account online before going to the airport. And once you get to the airport, a Clear ambassador helps you finish the process. And then you can immediately use Clear. I saw this the last time I was flying, by the way. I was standing in line, uh, uh, kind of a long line, waiting to go through security and looked to my left. And there were the Clear kiosks. And there was. An employee for Clear who was just helping this family, just boom, getting them right through. And I just thought to myself, oh, yeah, that's the company. Oh, oh, I'm just going to stand here in this line. Um, also, they have uh, family plans. So if you're traveling with your family, you don't have to ditch your family. You can if you want. It's probably not a cool move, um, but it, you can uh, add up to three adult family members at a discounted rate. And if you have kids under 18, they're free. So, um, yeah, you might want to look into the family plan. Right now, our dozens of listeners can get their first two months of Clear for free by going to clearme.com slash fool2019 and use the promo code fool2019. That's C-L-E-A-R-M-E dot com slash fool2019 and use the promo code fool2019 to get two months of Clear for free. So, check it out. So, we've talked before about the bankruptcy of Toys R Us and Sears continuing to close locations. And one of the questions that comes with these stories is what's going to happen to all of those locations? And we got at least a partial answer this week because Planet Fitness announced they plan to open 225 gyms this year. And a lot of those are going to be Toys R Us locations and some Sears locations as well. Were you surprised at the number they're going to open? Because I was. I don't know the company as well as you do, but that struck me as a pretty large number. Well, there's still about 80% of Americans who are ungymmed, if you will. So, Americans who don't pay for ungymmed gym. <laughs> ungymmed Americans. It's a really a crisis in this company or country. Um, so, 80% of Americans don't belong to a gym. I well, it sounds like a lot. 225 is a lot. I still think to myself, there's a lot of room for expansion here. And you'll notice that they're being really smart about the stores that they do pick up. So, over three fourths of Planet Fitness customers say they combine their gym visit with other shopping needs. So, picking up these locations, these old Toys R Us locations, um, it's smart for them because they're picking up the ones that are close to things like grocery stores or, or you know, shopping malls, places that people would normally go. And these shopping places are excited to have Planet Fitness in because this drives recurring weekly traffic. People go to the gym every single day, or at least a few times a week at a minimum, versus other shopping places, which is maybe a once every week, every two weeks type of visit. So it's really a good business. They're picking up this land for much cheaper than they would get it otherwise, and they're strategically placing them across the country. So I think there's a lot of opportunity, despite this company's, you know, kind of rock star growth up until this point, for them to continue to grow. Yeah, I mean the stock has done very well, and 
It's an important point you made that not only are they being very smart about these locations, so they're keeping a very close watch on the money that they're spending. Um, but they're also clearly doing a great job of engagement once they get people in the door, because they've had 12 straight years of same-store sales growth. And that's super impressive when you consider the inherent challenge in running a gym is, we're going to get a bunch of new people in January, because people are making those New Year's resolutions to get more physically fit, and they join a gym. And then, how do we keep them? Because it's it's great and it's natural to think that in January, but invariably you're going to lose people. And clearly, Planet Fitness has figured out not just how to be smart about how they're spending their money on new locations, but they're also apparently very smart about keeping people in the door. Exactly. And I remember when Planet Fitness used to be a controversial company because people said what they were doing was taking advantage of of lower income people, right? The, the ten dollars a month charge. What they're doing is is charging such a small fee that people forget that they are even subscribed to a gym membership. They'll never go to the gym. They'll just keep paying this fee. It's an abusive business model. But actuality, we're seeing for exactly the metrics you just mentioned that what they're doing is they're changing the culture around gyms, and that these people who were subscribing to a gym and never going back weren't doing so because they didn't want to go to the gym. It was because going to the gym was not a fun thing for them to do. It was uncomfortable, it was hard, and it was challenging. Planet Fitness is convenient, fun. You you feel associated with both the brand and the other gym goers. So, it's really just a smart, minimalist business model that is succeeding really well. Well, and we always like it anytime we see a business that sort of recognizes the challenges that they're facing. And so years ago with Panera Bread, it was Ron Shake coming out and, you know, in the famous comment about the mosh pit. <laughs> yeah. And but it was him just sort of recognizing, hey, we do a good job producing good food. We do a terrible job for the in store experience and we got to fix that. And so the fact that Planet Fitness recognizes, yeah, there is uh, or there certainly can be a culture problem at gyms, and so Planet Fitness attacking it head on and saying we're we're creating these what they call judgment-free zones, and even using free pizza as as a way to sort of entice people, and but also to demonstrate like, yeah, yeah, we're we're not that kind of gym that's going to be super judgmental because who wants to go to that? Exactly. Emily Flippin. Always good talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thanks again for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.